Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome to another episode of the OUinsider.com podcast. I am joined by Colin Kennedy, and we got to talk about Mr. Jansen Dunn breaking the interwebs not once but twice inside of three days. Colin, how you doing? What's your reaction to Jansen Dunn to Ohio State? Well, RJ, I'm doing well. I don't know if I'm doing as well as the Ohio State Buckeyes these <laughs> days, but I'm all right. As far as the other end of the spectrum, I'm not doing as bad as the Oklahoma Center fans are right now in terms of being as frustrated as they have been with this Jansen Dunn decision. That being said, I certainly understand it. I mean, none of us can sit here and act like we wouldn't want to be a part of the Ohio State Buckeyes these days. Absolutely killing it on the recruiting trail. You, my good friend, have been all over the fact that the Buckeyes are secretly assembling one of the best recruiting classes we've seen over at 24-7 Sports, and they're doing it methodically. I mean, it looks almost easy these days. And now, of course, they get another major commitment. This time it's at the serious fault of the Oklahoma Sooners. So, Look, I understand the decision, and I'd like to preface all of this by saying I'm never going to blame a kid for making a life-impacting decision like this. I mean, do it on your own timeline, make it how you want to make it, make it happen in the right way for you, and nothing else matters. That being said, it is somewhat of a bad look for the Oklahoma Sooners because we are talking about a kid that committed, or so we perceived, through just digital platforms, which this staff has put such an emphasis on emphasizing and now as soon as the Ohio State Buckeyes get word they get the guy in the blink of an eye so I was fascinated by this sequence of events I thought it was awesome to to see unfold and now here we are with well a very intriguing topic of conversation during the sports world standstill so I just want to lay this out here in raw numbers for folks to keep up because I understand that helps Number one, Ohio State, 17 commits, three five-stars, 12 four-stars, two three-stars. A 95.25 average, which is bonkers, but not as high as Clemson, who's sitting at 95.5 with 10 commits. That said, Ohio State's sitting at 294.67 points in the 247 Sports Composite, which was updated at 2.10 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are started recording this on Monday at 2.16, so it's right there. I would add to this as well— Usually it takes about 300 points to win a national recruiting title in any given year. And we've seen years where nobody gets to 300 points. With 17 commits and, you know, say eight slots left, Ohio State still could land the number two recruit in the country in JT Tuimalau and the number one wide receiver in the country in Emeka Egbuka and <laughs> still, still end up with like 340 points in in the rankings at a time when nobody's ever scored more than 324 and add insult to injury as you had outlined Jansen Dunn seemed like he was in the boat with Oklahoma Lincoln Riley tweets the eyes comes over the top of the eyes with hey didn't have spring football we still got some great stuff going on here at University of Oklahoma and then all of a sudden that train came to a screeching halt Steve Wiltfong comes through with crystal ball Brandon comes over the top going that that was weird and quick and holy crap. 
because the silent commit thing has plagued Ohio State in the past, right? Ohio State had silent commitments from B. John Robinson and Kendall Milton, right? And both of those guys obviously did not go to Ohio State. And then Ryan Day showing up, swinging a hammer, especially during a dead period. And that's the part of this that I find the, the most interesting because we can get into Trey Sermon going to Ohio State and this rivalry of Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley. But during a dead period, you don't usually see a whole bunch of movement, right? Kids want to visit. But during this time when nobody knows when you're going to be able to visit again, the fact that Ohio State could put together Tumise Adelier, Travion Henderson, Evan Pryor, Ja'Kalen Johnson, and now Chanson Dunn. Holy crap, what are we even doing? Dude, it is phenomenal to see all play out. And Ohio State, man, they just got it going on. We've talked about it on this podcast time and again how the Buckeyes are just this unique combination of strong tradition, youth, and effective digital media presence. It's just all working in their favor. And, I mean, it's just staggering to go through the list. As you mentioned, J.T. Turumalo, I mean, the number one player in the top 24-7, number two in the composite, J.C. Latham, Emeka Ibuka. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're not done by any stretch. That said, it also leaves you wondering, okay, how will this then impact the team that they just robbed, the Oklahoma Sooners, and the rest of the college football landscape? And you're having to start to wonder, how do you combat this? I mean, what what can you do at this stage? Because it just seems like Ohio State has become a runaway train in this recruitment cycle. And there's not a whole lot else that you can do if you're the Crimson and Cream. Because, I mean, they just took one of your guys, and there was nothing you could absolutely do to combat that. So I, I don't want to say it's a bad look. I, I prop the kid for making the best decision for him. I know it was kind of wild how it all played out for him but he ended up in a place that i'm sure he wanted to go and so it was just all so much fun to watch and now we're sitting here wondering of course as many fans are when and if the quote-unquote serious three will make their announcement because to be quite honest with you the Sooners could really use some dominoes to fall right about now right and i want to unpack that in a second i also want to finish out with it ain't as if ohio state is the only team with movement here. I mean, North Carolina is at number two. North frigging Carolina, right? With 11 four-stars yeah. in the boat. Mac Brown putting a fence up around North Carolina, the state of. And then USC with a late push. They're at number five now. Remember, we had put dirt on Clay Helton this time last year. Like, he was dead in the water. And not, yeah. not only come back from Bryce Young deciding to go to Alabama, but now they are ranked fifth in the 247 sports composite. And then, I gotta throw this in here. Minnesota at seven. Now, I don't think that's going to stick, but still, they're there, and Oklahoma's at 32. Minnesota also picked up its first top 50 recruit in the history of the program over the weekend. So we saw, I mean, and then Elijah Judy commits to Georgia. So we saw plenty of movement during what is traditionally a Saturday of movement, right, with spring games and, and official visits and whatnot. But what does Oklahoma do from here? You know, like, you, the, the, the point of the silent commitment, right, I'm, I think it's outliving its purpose because everybody, not everybody, f more folks know about stuff than used to know about stuff, right? So knowing about these things and seeing people publicly throw their hat in, I don't think it's going to be a small thing, especially when you have a guy like Tumise who had a date set in August that he just jumped in April and then made public. Usually what happens is you see those silent commitments happen. And then months later, you find out who that is. 
But for Oklahoma, that hasn't really worked out, man. Like, I was actually giving this some thought. Who's the last silent commitment that became public later that worked out? Is it Deshaun White? Do we have to go back that far in 2018? It'd probably be Deshaun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, maybe no more silent commi- <laughs> commitments. <laughs> eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. (laughs) Dude, it's fascinating because you mentioned some of the other teams that are picking up momentum. First of all, row that damn boat, P.J. Fleck. That's my dog. Look at him go. If if they keep that up in the Big Ten, look out for Minnesota because that is a conference, in my opinion. Obviously, Ohio State's going to dominate. But I've never been a big fan of what Michigan's been able to do recently. Minnesota could easily be one of the top two or three powers within that conference if PJ keeps that boat rolling. Now, it's also funny you bring up North Carolina and USC. North Carolina, to me, I didn't buy too much of the recruiting hype because they built a ton of those commitments seemingly before the dead period. And then they got Drake May, the quarterback, because to be quite honest, I don't blame him. He didn't want to follow through the Alabama commitment because they have a certain guy named Bryce Young coming on campus. They've got the tag of Iowa kid. They've got them all going on in the quarterback room. So I didn't blame him for staying home. But now that they've got it going still in this dead period, I'm sitting here like, I don't understand how it's working. And then to top it all off, what I find so incredibly intriguing about USC, and this is what to me should really be a little bit, I don't want to say concerning, but maybe staggering for Oklahoma fans. When you talk to kids in the state of Texas these days, I'm constantly picking these guys' brains, right. and I'm asking them, look, what are the teams right now that stand out to you? Who's pressing in this area the most? And a lot of kids in the state of Texas, especially kids from like Houston, they're telling me USC might be running the state of Texas right now. I mean, think about that for a second. That is insane because, again, we thought Todd Helton – was a dead man walking like literally three or four uh, months ago. Clay. And now he Clay. is running one of the recruiting hotbeds of America. C- C- Clay. Clay. Todd, Todd Helton is. No, Clay. Clay, Clay. <laughs> I'm, I'm heated. I'm heated I right see. now. Because see. I, here's the thing. So Clay Helton <laughs> is now running the state of Texas. But Lincoln Riley, I mean, Tom Herman, these guys aren't. Mm-hmm. It's. To me, that should be something a little bit concerning because not only are you dealing with the power that is Ohio State or a Georgia, like you mentioned, getting commitment, but, I mean, how is USC infiltrating your own backyard? I mean, I, I hope that Lincoln Riley and that staff is able to figure some sort of answer out and get these things to go because, to be quite honest with you, I understand that USC has sort of that prestigious aspect. They have the tradition. 
But, I mean, there's no business for the Trojans and Clay Helton to be running that thing. I, I'm sorry. That just shouldn't happen. And so I, I just find it so fascinating that we've talked time and again about Lincoln Riley and that crew being so good recruiting-wise. But they're still facing serious challenges, even in a situation that may somewhat benefit them, if you think about it. I have two theories on the USC thing. The first is Todd Orlando. The second is Graham Harrell, right? Um, Mm. You fired the defensive coordinator at Texas, and that guy got put on at USC, right? Also makes clear that Clay Helton had a strategy when we're talking about who he wanted to be on his staff. He went to Texas to get Cliff Kingsbury. He went to Texas to get Graham Harrell. He went to go get air raid coordinators. And when he had an opportunity to go get another defensive coordinator, he went to Texas to get him, right? And we could talk about how the scheme might or might not work because Todd Orlando loves to blitz people, and if you're a good enough quarterback, you're going to see it and you're going to melt it. I mean, we saw what that's what Joe Burrow did to end up winning that game for LSU against him last year. Probably the second best game that Texas played all year. And then knowing what Graham Harrell knows about Ennis and how badly Tom Herman wanted to get Graham Harrell into Austin, right? You can see why they're able to go into Texas and one of the reasons why so many kids are looking at USC. I I draw those lines, right? But also the idea that Texas can't keep kids in state, that, that is not something I was really ready to to give to anybody else other than Ohio State, right? Because Ohio State, for whatever reason, could come down, get Jeff Kuda, J.K. Dobbins, Garrett Wilson, and those are just kids from Texas, right? Meanwhile, Zach Evans probably isn't going to be playing football in Texas. Whether or not you think he's a character guy or not, the fact that he's not going to A&M or Texas or anywhere thereabouts speaks volumes for me. To me, say Adelier from Katie Tompkins, he's going to Ohio State, all right? I mean, we keep looking around. The kids don't look at the state of Texas, let alone Oklahoma, in the way that we always thought they would. Even as Oklahoma still goes into Texas and wins, I don't know what it is about Texas football right now, but like, do you what, what would it be like if Baylor was able to get into these same conversations as USC, right? What if it was Texas Christian that was able to get in these same conversations as USC? Because, I mean, if, if nothing else, I know if I go play defense for Gary Patterson, I stand a pretty doggone good chance of getting drafted in the first three rounds, right? Just on general principle, because with LJ Collier last year and this year, Ross Blacklock, I'm interested to find out what it is people are saying. And is Texas, like the state of Texas, is it still loyal to the state of Texas? Because we know that folks coming from Texas, all they want to say is, your roster's full of Texas kids. Well, why can't y'all keep them in state? I mean, you ain't got no income tax. You know, you're a nation unto yourself. <laughs> What, what what gives? Why why couldn't why didn't Houston get these kids? You know why didn't I anyway? I I really wanted to unpack that because the idea of Clay Helton yeah. being able to show up in your backyard off of a an okay season, right? And 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 fleece you. I didn't think that it was possible. A Pete Carroll, sure, but that was the, one of the best teams we'd ever seen. This USC team, no, this is like Cal showing up in your backyard. And, and, and winning kids. Who does that? It's like Oregon showing up in your backyard and winning kids. Who does that? You know, I, I, eh. I'm not sure if that's Tom Herman's fault or not. But who else would I, who else would I throw under the bus? Yeah, it's, and I mean, it's, it's crazy too because we talk about Clay Helton and the Trojans running things. 
I hear a ton about Mississippi State yeah. in the state of Texas. Yeah. And and the other thing I was talking about with some of our guys at 24-7, I mean, you can look at like the Power 5 programs in the state of Texas. You mentioned Baylor, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech. There is seemingly not much traction there. I think the Red Raiders of all of those probably have the most momentum. But then you look at like the group of five schools within mm-hmm. Texas, and they're blowing the Power Five out of the water. Yeah. I mean, UNT, SMU, UTSA is on fire right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are a walking flamethrower. It is unbelievable. And for some reason, these Power Five programs just don't seem to have the same draw. I don't know if it's just truly the, the pandemic we're facing or if there's a greater issue here. But I think you bring up a great point. It's something to certainly unpack down the road. Why is the state of Texas losing so much of its, its pomp and frill that's normally coming with playing in Austin or, or playing in Waco or Fort Worth these days? I just don't know why it's happening, but it has been fascinating to follow. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to keep growing exponentially, not just with the USDs or Mississippi States of the world, but, I mean, it sounds very much like SMU, UNT, UTSA are going to become driving forces right now over some of these other power five programs we're talking about let's get into ryan day versus lincoln riley and this rivalry that i did not think existed until here of recent right because going into last year folks talk about ryan day as the next lincoln riley because he was inheriting a great program from a great coach and, and put in a position to win right away difference is one of those guys has put together a Top five recruiting class in back-to-back years, right? Um, and the other guy has made the college football playoff and lost, right? But that's that's keeping in line. And they both have had Heisman finalists at quarterback. But the real difference is the defense, right? When you took them off of Shiano difficulty, they got good. <laughs> like, Jeff Halfley comes in and says, Shiano difficulty? Yes, because that's, that's the only way to explain this. Like, I had so many Ohio State fans want to blame Alex Grinch for how bad their defense was. Like, he's not the play caller, right? And then he shows up to OU, and they got better. So that goes out of the water. But you had Chase Young. You had Jeff Okuda. You had Malik Harrison, Baron Browning, Sean Wade. I mean, I can keep going, right? And that was really the difference because the offense did what the offense does. But now, when you could see both of those guys being able to do what they do best, which is Zoom and FaceTime and and digital media, why is Ryan Day kicking the holy crap out of Lincoln Riley? And those are my words, not Collins, because I'm just looking at the scoreboard. You know, and the scoreboard says Ohio State in a route right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's clearly Ohio State by a pretty large margin. And I would go back to what I pointed out recently on this podcast. I just think... Ryan Day inherited a situation where he's got a little bit better standing in terms of the built-in tradition and the newfound youth. I mean, Ohio State is tremendous at being the attractive new what-have-you-done-for-me-lately style of program while also building in the fact that, hey, we have time and again put NFL-caliber defenders in the league. We have strong standing in defensive tradition, and that does not go away for a strong period of time. I mean, Oklahoma obviously is one of the most blue-blood style of programs you're going to find in college football. And I think that a lot of people, maybe when the two were starting, would have argued Lincoln Riley inherited a better situation at the time. That being said, I think we're also starting to see 
how this thing pans out. Defensive tradition is just that much more important these days because of what offensive, maybe new generations of offensive minds have done to the game. Mm -hmm. I think now, because Ryan Day has inherited a program that has basically become an NFL factory, specifically on one side of the ball, and he's inherited and then revolutionized Ohio State offense and created a system that I personally am a very big fan of. I think he does a great job of scheming and calling plays. He has built a a unique combination that I don't think Lincoln Riley can match, and that's why he's winning, and that's why he's going to keep winning until Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch play this thing out two or three more years, in my opinion, because you have to have the foundation that Ohio State does. And in my opinion, Oklahoma simply does not have that. I'm not saying there's a drastic gap. I think the two are somewhat closely contested. But right now, I mean, there's a reason why Ryan Day is able to win, and it's because of the other side of the football that he is not directly coaching. So a bit ago, I want to say a couple months, I did this this segment, did this thing about Oklahoma's recruiting and how we sometimes look at it the way that people look at Texas football, which is we think that it ought to be better than it is. Because when you look at the way that they finish in the recruiting cycles, you're talking about not a single top five finish in the last 10 years, right? The best is six, which is really good, right? That 2019 class with Rattler, Weiss, Hazelwood, Stogner, the like, right? But it's so offensively loaded that we look at the defensive side of the ball. And I mean, to date, who's your best defensive player out of that 2019 class? You got me there, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I, that's kind of the thing, right? So, like, you can go, like, as much people want to throw shade at Buki uh, or Deshaun White. No, I don't think anybody wants to throw shade at Deshaun White. Throw shade at Buki. He's still a better player on that defensive side of the ball than anybody you brought in in 2019, at least right right now, right? I mean, you're going to take Buki, yeah. you're going to take Jaden Davis is basically the, 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 the question you got to ask, right? I mean, I guess you, you might want to throw LaRon Stokes in there if you're feeling frisky, but I'm not— I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. Let's say Laurent Stokes and or Jaden Davis, depending on how you feel on the day. Okay? That said, you go all the way back to that 2010 class, which was really good, right? That's Tony Jefferson and them. But before that, you're not really looking at a whole bunch of top five finishes here. You're not looking at a team that's competing for what I've been calling recruiting national championships. And I wonder how much of that people really don't want to let through the strainer. Because I believe that the recruiting classes are a tremendous predictor of future success, right? If we're all trying to win national championships, a good place to start is who put together the best classes, which is why you look at Clemson and they're at three with 10 commits. They're still ranked number three in the country. So all of their commits are quality and it's Clemson, right? To which is another way of saying, where was Clemson ranked in 2004, 2005, 2008? When Dabo Sweeney just got there. I mean, he didn't even think he was going to keep the job. So it's not as if you have to be a blue blood to be able to finish at the top. But somebody's doing something. And I don't want to go into the conversation about cheating because I don't think it really carries as much weight as people think it does because relationships matter more than you think they do. That said, I want to know what it is that Oklahoma has to do specifically and what it is that you got to do to be able to compete with Alabama, LSU, or even Texas to a degree, right? Because... Texas has been putting together top 10 classes. They just they just can't develop. So they got the opposite problem. What's it going to take? 
I, I firmly believe for Oklahoma to, to finish consistently in that top five, it falls squarely on the shoulders of Alex Grinch and the defensive staff. Hmm. I, I don't think it's that hot of a take to say that this thing better work. Hmm. And if it doesn't, in the Big 12 Conference, which, as we know, carries the reputation of quote-unquote hashtag soft defenses, hmm then it's going to hurt a whole lot because these kids want to go play for places that are going to put them in the next level. And where in a time back then, Oklahoma sure had the reputation of putting some decent guys out in the NFL. I, I, I'm pretty sure stunned that we don't talk enough about the fact that Oklahoma has not had a first-round defensive draft pick since Gerald McCoy. Mm-hmm. And Kenneth Murray, you would hope, breaks that streak but that's a long, long time. I mean, that's a staggering gap. And while a lot of fans may not want to acknowledge it, you can bet your bottom dollar that the recruits on. I mean, what have you done for me lately? Certainly carries plenty of weight on the defensive side of the ball. And so, in my opinion, when you talk about what's the answer, it's Alex Grinch. It's Roy Manning. It's Brian Odom. And all of those guys have done a tremendous job so far. But creating that foundation is so pivotal, and that's why – in my opinion, these guys have to stick together. They have to play it out. And if it works, then that's where you see Oklahoma finally staying within the top five because it takes more than one side of the football and more than just a couple of five-star recruits at quarterback or wide receiver to carry your class into that top five state. So let's let's go to some of the guys that OU is recruiting heavily on the defensive side of the ball then, uh, specifically Christian Leary, Kendall Daniels, and the like in that safety region. One of the things I, I do want to address before we get to those is where the defense tackles, right? It's the question that we get asked all the time. So now that I have posed that perfunctory question to you, Colin, do you have an answer? Because my answer is always going to be the same. <laughs> Well, <laughs> here's what I here's so ask the question one more time because I'm going to try and formulate a way okay. to put this in, in my best words. Okay, where are the defensive tackles in OU's 2021 recruiting class? <laughs> They're not there. I, I'm sorry. I just I, I, I wanted to buy myself some time, but it's just not there. And they ain't coming anytime soon. I'm sorry. It's a matter of fact. I, I I tried to play the theatrics. I tried to, to figure my way out of that corner, but you put me in the box, and now I got to find my way out. They're not there, and they ain't coming. I'm sorry. Here's the the real issue that Oklahoma's facing right now when you talk about defensive tackles specifically, and. This is another reason why I wanted to buy myself a little bit of time because this is a really touchy subject, and yeah. I think it's something really interesting to dive into. Oklahoma's making its living right now off of offering JUCO defensive tackles and defensive line. And obviously you've seen them extend offers to Isaiah Coe, the number one JUCO defensive tackle of this cycle, right. another one out of eastern Mississippi. They get the two top ones in the last year, and normally a lot of programs would be – pretty happy about doing so right Right. but right now i mean you see a juco offer go out to defensive tackle and fans wearing crimson cream lose their freaking mind because they do not understand why there is not a incoming freshman caliber defensive tackle that will show any interest in the oklahoma sooners that to me is where the quote-unquote juco defensive tackles are in oklahoma's 2021 recruiting class 
they're going to have to be at the JUCO level until this thing gets some sort of standing, right? I mean, until Alex Grinch has that reputation built, I don't see a situation where top-tier JUCO or non-JUCO defensive tackles really take this thing seriously and continuously commit. I think you had some really good things play out with Perrion and Josh Ellison last year. But keep in mind, I mean, there was a point there where Perrion was not a done deal. And there was also a point where Josh Ellison seemed almost like a Texas A&M lock. And so for Oklahoma to end up with both of those, it kind of played out the way that not your typical recruiting race would. I I know it's hard to say, but for me, you're not going to see 2021 Juco defensive tackles as just a supplementary aspect of these recruiting classes. I think Juco defensive tackles are where you're going to get those guys, and it's going to be where they are almost specifically coming from until Alex Grinch's reputation becomes fortified. What we're saying is uh, a lot of y'all need to buy season tickets to Hines Community College, Jones Community College, Butler Community College, you know, you know, Blend Community College, uh, East Mississippi Community College. I'm just saying, you know, like, that's that's what we really getting at is you yeah. you might want to go out there to the mud. Either. Nah, I think you can get in there pretty cheap, pretty uh, you know, especially right now. You know, uh, anyway. Now, uh, jokes aside, I put you in that spot knowing the answer is some version of what you said, but I do appreciate you just being blatant about it. They're not there because it's the truth, and the idea that they would be there is for me kind of stupid because. There aren't that many. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this. There are more quality quarterbacks than there are quality defensive tackle recruits. Period. And the problem is you need two of them for every one quarterback that you have. <laughs> so you've got to take these defensive ends and you got to blow them up. You remember Chuka and Dulaway? Chuka was oh, yeah. 260 pounds and a speed rusher. It was so hurting that they turned that man into a 290-pound zero. <laughs> like, that's, that's what you're going to have to do. It's going to be, hey, you better hope Marcus Hicks develops. You saw Jalen Redmond got a little bit fat, and that's okay because guess what? My man was pretty good at playing inside, and that's where you're going to need him to play inside. Your defensive tackles are going to be your ends that overdevelop, right, where they just put them in front of the training table and say, eat, and they hope that they keep their quickness, right? Because that was the thing about Neville Gallimore that was so cool to watch is once he was able to just get another set of hands on that line of scrimmage, he was able to do more work, and that's what it's going to have to be. And that's one of the reasons why we believe in this, this defensive scheme that Grinch wants to throw out there. Um, so do you have a take on Kendall Daniels and Christian Leary? And I know that Daniels gave people a scare because he tweeted something. And shout to Brandon who ran that down. But I looked at that tweet and I kept scrolling. But apparently my man says well, uh, something, just a phrase, and people freaking out. And I believe the phrase was, uh, well, that changed. And I'm like... Okay, scroll. Other people think it's got something to do with recruiting because apparently if you're a recruit, you only show up to tweet about recruiting. <laughs> yeah. Nah, man. I mean, yeah. it could be anything, right? And that was, I don't know. I, I, I think people are reaching because they're scared. And they're scared because the kids that they all want are committing elsewhere, which is just part of the game, right? Yeah, exactly. And... Obviously, these tweets that have gone around, especially in the day and age where we live of silent commitment and cliffhanger tweets and misdirecting social media stances, anything can set a fire, 
And when he put it out, I didn't put much stock in it either. I'm with you. But then I also started to piece together the puzzle of, okay, he tweets this out at X time, then Jansen Dunn tweets this out at X time, and Lincoln Riley. And so maybe I'm putting all of this together, and I'm thinking, okay, he's got a problem maybe with defensive spots. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out why there's so much worry. And the bottom line for me is I, I cannot. I mean, I still think this thing is way too early to really fret about. I, I think when you're talking specifically about Christian Leary and Kendall Daniels, I know Leary has been a part of that. I don't know what to call it, the hot dog squad, whatever you want to, the, the grill-out crew that keeps tweeting out that dang emoji Yo, between Caleb Williams Yo, and man. Mario Williams and I, him. Uh, I, but, I mean. Oh, I was just going to say I broke my rule. This one time about like tweeting at recruits because like usually I'm just in we we talk at DMs right but I couldn't help it I had to go sandwich when my man put out hot dog I just I just had to and and I hope he oh, uh-huh. I hope he giggled because like he said hot dog I replied with sandwich and, and I went about my business you know because I just thought it was yeah. funny but yeah that, I mean hey providing some comedic comedic relief to the situation which I think is very well appreciated these days that's the hot dog is not a sandwich but I digress. I will say this. I think when you talk about those two, I still feel like Kendall Daniels, the race is still wide open. I mean, anyone yeah. wants to assume that yeah. he's going somewhere right now at just too far-fetched for me. He's got Clemson. He's got Alabama. He's got the in-state Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, that dude's got everything ahead of him. Don't panic. As far as Christian Leary, as long as he's – in a squad with the number one quarterback and one of the top wide receivers, both in favor of the Oklahoma Sooners, I wouldn't put much pressure on myself either if I were a fan and wanting to get those three in the bucket. So, look, man, we're living in different times, and I know that it's easy to get worked up on social media because that's really one of the few things we have to look at. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. Hit the panic button on any of those two that we're talking about because – Again, you just really have a hard time believing that anything drastic is going to take place while we're basically in a recruiting shutdown. That is Colin Kennedy. Follow him on the Twitters at CKennedy247. We will talk a couple of times this week as it is NFL Draft Week, and my man has been working on his mock draft. It's going to drop later this week. We'll talk about it here on the podcast. And we'll follow all the happenings and goings on. I can't wait for this virtual draft because the general managers don't know how to use technology. Colin, I appreciate you, man. I always fun, man. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. All right, man. See you.